Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Faithful UK Show. Right, welcome back guys. Uh, we are now into week 10. The season is rapidly running out. Our next game is against the Giants on Monday Night Football, or as we call it in the UK. Oh my God, it's far too early to be up at a Tuesday morning football. The current head-to-head is 2020. And it's remarkable because both teams have won 16 regular season games and four postseason games. Since 1980, the 49ers have a record of 18 and 11. And the first meeting between these two teams actually came exactly 66 years ago today on the 9th of November 1952, with the Giants winning that match of 23-14. Sunday's game is exactly one year since the last met, when the 49ers ran out 31-21 winners in Levi's, and that was C.J. Bethard's first win as a starter. In Monday night matchups, the Niners are actually 5-2 and two against the Giants, so we do have a bit of an advantage there. So hopefully that will continue on Monday night. In the week leading up to the game, the Niners have got several players on the injury report. Reuben Foster did not practice on Thursday, neither did Pierre Garçon. George Kittle was limited with a chest injury. Richburg, knee injury limited. Joe Staley didn't practice because he had his uh, his granddad day, otherwise known as Veterans Day off. And Jaquiski Tart had a shoulder injury and didn't practice on Thursday either. Of those players, Shanahan only expects Foster and Garcon to be game time decisions. Um, some of the others are questionable. Tart is one that's questionable. Um, but yeah, Foster and Garcon, there's still a big question mark over whether or not they'll actually have any uh, part to play come, come Monday night, Tuesday morning. On the other side of the uh, matchup, the Giants have had a fairly good week and they've got a fully fit uh, roster to choose from. So bully for them. Hopefully the roster that does turn up pretty much plays the same way as they've played all season so far. Um, and if you look at the matchup, the, the stats are very even on paper. It should be a close game. However, we've said that many, many times before this season. How do you see this game working out then, Brian? Uh, well, like I say, Giants are off a bye week. Uh, we're coming off of a long week. I think the, they've had four days rest out there this week. So that's uh, that's going to be uh, beneficial to us. Uh, we're three-point favourites. So... It's going to be an interesting game. Um, listen to a little bit of radio and stuff this week. I've got a couple of Nick Mullins fun facts, if you're ready for some Nick Mullins fun facts. I am. I'm looking forward to these. <laughs> so the first one, did you know that he's actually left-handed? I didn't. Now, I saw no, that I in your notes, and I immediately <laughs> went on to Game Pass. I think, well, he's thrown right-handed. Yeah. So he throws right-handed as a quarterback, but apparently he writes left-handed, signs all his autographs left-handed, he eats left-handed. Yeah, he's a lefty, but... Strangely enough, when he plays quarterback, he throws right-handed. Now, I don't, off the top of my head, I can't think of any instances where I am aware of anyone else who's done that. I know that there's cricket players who go out and they, um, you know, they write right with their right hand, yet they bat left-handed. But I've never known it that someone who's left-handed actually quarterbacks right-handed. I think I thought that was uh, quite strange. So I can relate to that because I'm right-handed. Yeah, I, okay. play, I play snooker left-handed. Do you really? Okay. And when I play football, I'm left-footed. Okay. But I'm right-handed. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, I can I can relate to that in some sense. Well, um, I wonder if that's just something that he, he did as he was growing up. Mm. He basically started throwing the ball to his right hand. Yeah. Yeah, I found that quite strange. Um, when I play football, I tend to use both feet, but I couldn't... If you asked me to throw a golf ball more than... 30, 40 yards from my left hand, I'd struggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, with my right hand, I could probably throw it three or four times the distance that I could with my left hand. So, yeah, so I found that quite strange. Uh, and then I had another funny story in the week. Did you hear the one about the radio? 
about the radio and yeah, Nick Mullins. Yeah, Nick Mullins is one-way radio. So, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, apparently he was so prepared for the game on Thursday that he pretty much knew all of the calls and everything. And before Kyle was uh, reading them out to him, before he'd even finished, he was pretty much right, yeah, I know what we're doing. And he was trying to break the huddle and get out there. And uh, apparently on several occasions during the game, he kind of said, um, basically, the lines of, man, don't, didn't you ever shut up? But <laughs> I don't think he realised that it was... Uh, it was a one-way radio and Carl couldn't actually hear him. So he was uh, sort of pretty much telling Carl to shut up and get on with play, you know, calling the play because he knows what he's doing because he studied this playbook intently over the over the summer and everything and he knows exactly what Carl wants him to do. But Carl's sort of relaying it so that he makes sure that he gets the full message. Yeah, you know, um, Mullins is going in there and uh, pretty right. much, right, I know what I'm doing. I thought, I thought that was quite a funny uh, funny story from the week. So, so I did hear that in... An interview uh, I watched this morning on YouTube with Shanahan. Um, so yeah, I found that interesting. What I also found interesting is he, he did mention because it's not two-way radio. If the quarterback doesn't hear the player and he needs it again, he has to make a motion as though he's whisking eggs down by his uh, hip. Yeah, and, they, and it cuts off after so many seconds as well, doesn't it? They only yeah. get so many seconds where they can uh, call the play in as well. So once it gets, once the play clock gets down to uh, fifty. 15 seconds it cuts off yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's interesting hearing about the inner workings of how that works yeah, and it is, what yeah. they do what what they do when they're uh, they're having issues and they need to play again yeah um just while on the subject to listen to the radio um i just kind of wanted to say that i listened to a lot of KNBR this week mainly because i've been um interested in listening about some of the baseball stuff that's going on in San Francisco Giants this week with the new head of baseball operations. And a lot of um, the bits and bobs that I've heard from the NFL folks on there are pretty much going along the same lines of what we've been saying on our Monday podcast. So I think, you know, without sort of um, blowing our own trumpet, I think we're doing quite a good job on here um, so far this season. So it's uh, just been quite interesting that some of the, I, I don't, I don't like the phrase hot takes, but as such, but you know, the, 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 our sort of reaction podcast on a Monday seems to be pretty much along the lines of what a lot of people and, you know, ex-players and supposed NFL experts and things, people are sort of saying Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, further down the week um, on KMBR and 95.7 the game. So it was just a sort of uh, props to us really for, uh, in the fact that I think we were, you know, we're not overreactionary in, in the way that a lot of other people might be about defeats and, we can sort of find positives in the way that some of the games have gone, and um, yeah, we're, we're not sort of uh, Skip Bayless blowards and uh, who react in a negative uh, "woe is me" way for um, some of the defeats, and, and similarly, we're not sort of uh, overreactive to beating teams like you know the Raiders. So, just sort of uh, yeah, wanted to make a note of that, really. That's good to hear that. Um, but as a word of caution. I also listen to all these analysts for my fantasy tips, and I'm having a nightmare of a season. <laughs> so, so they don't obviously know what they're talking about. <laughs> right, so onto the game. Um, the, the Giants, the New York Giants, it is a rival for us. It, it's yeah. one of the better inter-division rivals. We've got the Giants, we've got the Cowboys, and then we've got our own intra-divisional rival, which is the LA Rams. Uh, and those are the three you kind of look for Whenever those games come up, obviously the Cowboys and the Giants, it's once every three years, or sometimes it's a bit sooner than that, depending on where we finish and where the other team finishes. But yeah, I mean, this is one of these rival games that we've had since the 80s now. Yeah. And um, the first game that comes off at the top of my head, which is a bad part to, to remember, is obviously the uh, championship game with oh, the God, Giants. Yeah. When Roger Craig fumbled mm. with two minutes remaining, um, so that sticks out in your mind. And then just going back to 2011 and the Kyle Wimble, oh. the oh. Kyle Williams oh, muffed no. punt. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I the mean, wounds—they're just healing, Lee. They're just healing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so, get the salt away. <laughs> it, it's like those two type of things, and the Lawrence Taylor sack on uh, Montana. Um, it's it's those type of things that pop into my head straight away as soon as it's the Giants we play. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see them as one of our rivals and I, I always look forward to beating the Giants. The, the Giants, the Cowboys, the Rams, 
I would love it if uh, we beat them every time we play them. So it's got that little bit of extra spice, regardless of what the regular season um, records are at the moment. I mean, the, the Pervos aren't doing too well on paper. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's got that little bit of extra spice behind it. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Yeah, and potentially uh, if you're a person who looks at the draft order, this is a potential for uh, the second place, possibly first place in a draft sort of uh, game. Um, if I think if we win this, there's probably a very little chance that we're going to be in the, in the top two, I would like to think, um, based on a couple of the games that we've got coming up in the future. And I, and I think if uh, New York lose this one, then there's probably not many other games that they're going to win either. So, uh, yeah, it's a chance to sort of move down the draft order a little bit more. Some people will, uh, as we've said before, will see that as a negative thing. But there's... I don't know about yourself, but the feel-good feel for me of uh, my team or our team, the 49ers winning last week, sort of uh, that rolls you through the weekend and it, it gives you a feel-good feeling about yourself um, all through the week. And you get a little brag, bit of bragging rights with our, our friends and stuff who are Oakland or LA Raiders fans or soon-to-be Vegas Raiders fans. And I'd rather have that than a potential number two or number one overall draft pick, to be perfectly honest. I know that's selfish, um, but that's 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 me. Um, I still think that we've got a capable front office who are good enough to go out and get high-impact players with our probably what's coming top five draft pick. So, yeah, it's it's been a good, good week, even though it was only the Raiders. Yeah, completely agree with all of that. And uh, I know what you mean about the feel-good factor. And to, to be honest, this week... Ever since probably Saturday, Sunday, it's been quite quiet in the group, and it mm. almost feels as though there's been a huge sigh mm. as we've gotten that next win, uh, and people have now relaxed, and uh, it has been fairly quiet. It's been fairly quiet news week. There's been nothing much going on as far as uh, the 49ers organisation is concerned, although we did expect to see some activity um, uh, picking up a free agent or two to replace some of the injured people, and that hasn't happened. So that'll be interesting to see what we do there. Yeah, but apparently yeah. we've uh, not not or we've, we've gone in hard, or we've uh, whatever the phrase was that they said this week. They were sort of went over the the Bruce Irving signing, but they uh, they couldn't get him in, and, and he's obviously gone to a contend, contender in the Falcons. Um, I thought we might go after Abdullah from the Lions this week. Um, he seemed like a, another good scheme fit kind of player who could also play special teams, who might be a natural um, replacement for Mostert. Um, but that hasn't happened. So that definitely suggests to me that they like what they see in uh, Jeff Wilson and Matt Days. So I would imagine we're probably going to see one of those guys promoted off the practice squad at some point over the weekend, maybe even as late as Monday. Um, I don't really know enough about either of the guys, to be perfectly honest, as to which one might come up over the other. Um, but I think the fact that we've passed on um, what looks like some decent fit and scheme fit running backs who are still out there in free agency. Um, yeah, that, that sort of suggests to me that one of these guys is going to come up and one of these guys will probably feature, maybe not heavily, but certainly come on and have some kind of impact on the game on Monday. Um, but yeah, we've, I think we've sort of kicked the tyres on a few guys, um, but we, we aren't landing them, which, you know, that goes back to sort of Khalil Mack and Josh Gordon as well. I, I don't know how hard we really have gone after all of these guys because we're obviously not valuing these these players that are out there as uh, as highly as what the other, a lot of the other franchises are. You know, you look at the likes of Amari Cooper, who went to the Cowboys for a first-round draft pick. I would have been... Uh, not too happy, I think, if we'd have uh, spent a first-round draft pick on him. So, just goes to show that the team, uh, they are doing their due diligence um, and the way to build is through the draft. And, obviously, we've got another period of free agency before then. Um, so, yeah, I I'm kind of fine with that, really, and the fact that we're not, you know, we, we like what we've got. So, you know, let let's go with what we got and uh, see how, how it ends up from there, really. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned about how we value free agents or how we how we value trade um, prospects against how other teams do that. Mm. Um, because in my mind, you, you'd have a player 
who you'd give a certain value to based on a skill set. So that, that would be where your baseline is. And I would imagine a lot of teams are very similar how they'd value them based mm. off the skill set. But then you have to have a look, if you're mid-season, you have to have a look at how your season's gone because yeah. that could actually add value to that player the way your season has gone. Yeah. So the, the likes of the Falcons who've getting Bruce Irvin, they are a contender, like you said. So Bruce Irvin becomes a higher value player for them than what he would for us. So they'd be more willing to part with more than what the San Francisco 49ers would at this present time because he's not worth that to us at this time, that extra above the baseline value. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people forget about. You, you can't just put one value on a player. You need to put a baseline value on his skill set, his his performances over the last one or two seasons. And then you also have to look at how your season's gone. Do we actually need that person this minute? Should we actually give up those picks to get that person this minute? That's right, yeah. Or should we keep those picks and bring in a younger person, albeit somebody who's completely unproven? Yeah. And I think you need to take all of that into consideration whenever you try and trade for a player. Especially when uh, draft picks are going to be high in each round. Because if we're picking, I don't know, let's say three or four overall, essentially, if the draft goes the way it normally does and invariably teams will they'll reach and they'll um, sort of stretch for players that maybe shouldn't be first-round draft picks. That invariably means that a quote-unquote first-round draft pick is going to drop down to you um, at the top of the second round. So by giving up these you know, top-of-the-round draft picks, you're essentially almost giving up a late-round pick from the, the round before, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, you're always going to have these teams that overdraft a player, and we, we've done it ourselves in the past, haven't we? Especially when we've been down near the bottom of the first round. When you think of the likes of, um, oh God, I, I've wiped his AJ Jenkins and um, Jimmy Ward and these kind of players. They, they've not really had any major impact on our franchise whatsoever, have they? So, yeah, I mean, AJ Jenkins is a perfect example. Yeah, um, another one, Kenton ba- uh, Barmer. Oh, Kenton Barmer. Yeah, he was yeah. dreadful. He was absolutely yeah. dreadful. Right back to back to Tuesday's game. Then the New York offense. What, what are we making of their offense this season? Uh, it's not been particularly sexy, has it? The uh, <laughs> this season. I think. Um, well, Eli is nowhere near as good as he once was. Um, I mean, I've never been overly struck by Eli Manning. Anyway, I think he's relied a lot on an absolutely superb offensive line in front of him at times. He's had some uh, fantastic receivers. Um, I think he's the most sacked quarterback in the league this year. That's correct. Um, yeah. yeah, to be perfectly honest, I'm surprised that the Giants didn't go after one of the rookies in the draft this year. Um, when you, you look at the likes of those, all the quarterbacks that went high in the draft, Rosen, Allen, uh, Mayfield, uh, Mayfield was obviously number one, but you know those guys at the top of the draft that, that went, I thought maybe the Giants would have been in for one of those. And I think... The Barkley pick, as, as amazing running back as he is, and he reminds me a little bit of a sort of young Adrian Peterson with the impact that he had when he came into the league. Like, you can see why they've drafted him in that respect, but I question as whether that was really their. Uh, I think it was a bit of a luxury pick, wasn't it? I don't think that was their overall need. At, at was it number two overall? I think yeah. they picked last season, wasn't well, it? I think that was a very luxurious pick to make for you know, you know the bad season that they had this year, and, and they've they've not improved at all this season, even with that. That guy playing for him. To be honest, I think had they not picked him, they'd have been crucified because looking at what he did in college and then the way he ran and his build, he is like a, a once in a generation type player. I'd yeah. run him back. But I must admit, I mean, Saquon Barkley has undoubted talent as a running back. And that makes it all the more surprising that the Giants are only averaging 78 yards per game on the ground and mm. then the country ranked 31st in Russia. Yeah, yeah, that is surprising. I mean, Bar- Barkley, in fact, he's actually average, averaging 62 yards a game through the air. Well, he's a great receiver, great pass yeah. catcher. That's something that our defence are going to be, have to be on high alert for for the, the whole game. So, so that's only actually three yards under what he's averaging on the ground. So he's averaging yeah. 65 yards on the ground 
and 62 yards through the air. So he is obviously a, a very good player. Um, he, he's probably the type of player that the 49ers could have done with. Yeah. I mean, he, he is that perfect player uh, to play the, the Shanahan offense, the way he's both receiving and rushing the ball. If you think that he went for the second overall pick in the draft, and then you look at, I think the the position of running back is it's starting to be valued a little bit more in terms of the lights of Barkley when they come out of the draft. But we've got an undrafted, or we yeah we've got an undrafted free agent in Matt Breeder who's put up astounding numbers, and he was undrafted. Yeah, you know, so I think that's something that. Um, people get a little bit carried away with the the value of a, of a running back. And obviously you do get these players that come in like Barkley, like a Peterson who are like you say, possibly once in a generation type guys, but there's so much um, sort of, so, so it's a high chance that these guys go injured. Um, you know, they're, they're touching the ball all the time. I just think there's a, there's a lot more stock that you can put into getting someone lower down who can have maybe not quite that impact, but can certainly come in and uh, do a fantastic job as, as we've seen with Matt Breeder this season and even most of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. We've been fairly fortunate with some of our pickups of running back in the, in the yeah, last, absolutely, yeah. in the last few years. Um, Joe Williams was a bit of a disappointment. I thought he was going to be better. Um, Lattimore obviously he came off that devastating knee injury. So it was also uh, Grassman at straws whether or not he was actually going to be able to perform at the level that he did during college. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Breda and uh, Mustard, absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm still absolutely good at for Mustard after that injury. Mm. And, and I still have nightmares looking at that floppy arm. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I see, I see what you mean about taking Barkley at that position. And definitely looking at Manning, I, I think the fact. He's won two Super Bowls. Has given him a lot more rope than what he should really be given. Yeah, definitely. Um, he is in danger of in danger of hanging himself. I mean, at, at the moment, the speculation that if he gets beat by us, that's it. They're going to bench him. He, he's done. Yeah, although their rookie or their backup quarterback got in trouble in the week, didn't he? Was it last week? I think it was. He was arrested for multiple he driving did, yeah. offenses. So. Maybe Eli's got a little bit more time on his side because this guy's obviously uh, made a bit of a boo-boo, uh, to say the least. And he's probably got a little bit, you know, the, the rope's maybe not quite quite as tight around his neck as it was uh, a week or so ago before the bye week. Yeah. But for me, I think he's down in the bottom what, five or six quarterbacks in the league now. He's kind of in that bracket with Bortles and Osweiler and maybe... Case Keenum as well, Rosen. I don't think has been particularly good. He hasn't come as billed as he certainly so far. So I think his career is pretty much over as to a certain extent. I think he's the kind of guy that might end up going, um, ended ended up on a terrible franchise as a possible starter, and then he gets benched after a couple of weeks, and and that's that. You know, next season or the season after potentially, but. I think mentally and physically, he's uh, it's pretty much over for him. I, I would say, and as you brought it up earlier, I'm still not over that Carl, Win 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 yeah, Carl Williams fumble. <laughs> so I'd quite like to see our defensive line absolutely destroy him, um, so he gets that little me 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 bottom lip going, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just want to see his sad little face over and over and over and over. Uh, the Giants' offensive line is not particularly great. I think there's a good chance that we can go out there, get lots of uh, pressure and hits on them again. Uh, I think they're, they're, I think they're, well, they are definitely better than the Raiders, but we'll, we'll, I think we can uh, rack up some nice, uh, nice uh, stats again this week. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, in my notes, I've got the right side is looking very weak indeed, and that could be great for both Buckner and Armstead. Um, they're allowing an average of four sacks per game. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we can have a, the type of game we had against the Rangers, uh, the Raiders, uh, and get a few sacks there. Um, on the left-hand side, you've got Solder and Hernandez. They're probably going to be a decent test for Solomon and Marsh. Yeah. Um, they're a bit better on the left-hand side. Hernandez was actually somebody I was kind of hoping that we were going to draft last year. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, in, in the draft in May. Um, but obviously he's gone to the Giants and we drafted McGlinchey instead and I'm over the moon with McGlinchey. Don't uh, get us wrong. McGlinchey's been a revelation. 
But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Solomon and Marsh get on this week and whether or not uh, Blair is over on that right-hand side and has to deal with either Solder or or with Hernandez. Yeah. So other than Barkley, other than Barkley being a, a threat for the uh, Giants, the only other person I can see being a threat is Beckham. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think there's going to be... Their offence may well be quite similar to the offence that we're going to run with Mullins. I think it's... Uh, He's going to go for Beckham when the uh, opportunities arise, but I think a lot of it's going to be um, on Barkley. There's going to be a lot of checkdowns. I don't think we're going to be seeing Eli dropping down seven, eight steps and uh, heaving it downfield a lot. I think it's going to be a lot of sort of short underneath routes, uh, and then the receivers racking up the sort of the yards after catch. Um, I think if you look at the offenses, we are probably in a bit of a similar situation right now. Uh, neither quarterback particularly mobile. Um, but I do think we can probably try and um, and bait Eli on some of these deeper routes. And if we can get in his face, he's got a tendency to put up these sort of wobbly duck passes, hasn't he, that sort of yeah. wobble around all over the place. And if our uh, DBs uh, are in the right place, then I think we can uh, get a pick or two. Yeah, But agreed. Beckham versus Sherman's going to be really good. That's going to be a really good battle. So um, does, does Beckham only ever play on the right-hand side of the field? I couldn't tell you. I've not watched enough of their... Uh, so their, what I was their... kind of expecting is Beckham to go over to the left because obviously Sherman only plays left cornerback. Yeah, I'd imagine puts... he'd probably try and keep away from him. But Beckham yeah. being Beckham, I think he's got the arrogance to go out and uh, say, put me on Sherman, I'm going to go out and make the catches. Yeah. Hopefully he does have the arrogance and to do that because I'd like to see that match up myself. Yeah. I, I wouldn't expect um, Sherman to... To, to get the better of him 100% of the game. Um, but, yeah, I would love to see that because it makes for a good spectacle. Yeah. And uh, they've got quite a speedy uh, tight end as well in Engram. I think he's a second-year player. He's got quite a bit of speed, so that's going to be another interesting matchup for them, if he's uh, or for us, if he's going against uh, Warner and, uh, and Foster and our safeties if uh, Foster plays this week. So yeah, that's that's the only sort of three guys that I can really see causing us any any problems are the two sort of uh, superstars and, and Engram as the tight end, really. So as far as our defense is concerned, um, with you mentioning Foster, whether or not he plays there, what well, what I've got uh, written down is that Dakota Watson was absolutely excellent in his first game this season. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he was absolutely superb, and Elijah Lee stepped in again or mm-hmm. stepped up again when we cut. Ca- Quite to start in the place of the injured Foster, and the way Elijah Lee is playing on, on his performance, I think it merits uh, a starting place. Yeah, even if even if Foster's ninety nine percent fit, the way that um, the way that Elijah Lee's been playing, I, I definitely think he he deserves a start. Yeah, uh, and talking of um, Engram and that going across the middle, um, I was. Spent a little time on PFF earlier, and I'll, I'll quote it directly because it's easier rather than me trying to butcher it. Uh, when defending offensive players uh, running routes out of the backfield, uh, 49ers linebacker Fred Warner has allowed just four receptions for 30 yards. Um, only two first downs on 10 targets this season, which is uh, good for a lead leading 47.9 passer rating when targeted among qualifying linebackers. So that suggests that um, Warner against Barkley uh, if Barkley does come out of the backfield on on those uh, sort of shallow routes will be quite an interesting matchup if uh, Warner is the man to pick him up So I spend a lot of time on PFF as well, I mean that, that's where I make a, a lot of my judgments on, on the matchups and over the last two or three games the, the defence has significantly improved as far as the ratings are concerned yeah, and it does look as though we we finally start to get things pulled together. Um, things are starting to click in place, and we are doing a lot better than where we where we were um, earlier on in the season. Now, one of the things I did notice, and we've mentioned it a couple of times about snap counts and Solomon only playing a, a fraction of the game. Yeah. So I've done a bit more digging this week to actually have a look to see how bad it is, and to be honest, it's not. There's only Buckner who appears to be on the field for a high percentage of the snaps on defence. And I think this is more to do with the way they rotate the linemen than production. 
Um, like I said, we've discussed Solomon's snap count a few times this year. And other than Buckner, there's only Marsh and Armstead have slightly more snaps than what mm. Solomon do. And it's really tiny. It's only 1% and 5% respectively. So and I know we've mentioned it a couple of times that he's not playing as much as what we would expect him to play. But now that I've looked into it and looked at the, the snap counts for both Marsh and Armstead, um, uh, Mitchell's included in this as well. And yeah, I mean, 5% increase is the biggest margin outside of Buckner. I mean, Buckner's, I think he's 82% of the snaps he takes. Um, but yeah, all the others are mid-50s. Mm. So it's not as bad as what we originally thought. So we are getting... We are seeing him on the field more often than what we think we are. Obviously, early on in the season, we weren't getting the production for him. Uh, but hopefully, he, he has picked up over the last couple of games. He has been more visible. I mean, yeah, they've mentioned. obviously uh, found what, where he's good at and, and what he's good at and what's what best suits him. And they're now, uh, now using him in those situations rather than just sort of giving him 25, 26 snaps um, here and there. Yeah, that's right. And that's because they've moved them to the interior. Yeah, they have, yeah. And the tackling's definitely going to need to uh, continue, especially with Barkley, isn't it? We can't allow him into the open field and, and make plays. There's, uh, We need to sort of make this another minimal uh, missed tackle game. Uh, yeah. And like I said before, I think that I really like our chances to get um, to, get to Eli. Um, Watson potentially could be a disruptor again. Um, Eli Manning uh, is about as mobile as I am the morning after five aside. And if <laughs> if you saw me yesterday, you'd think that um, I was like a little old man walking around the hangar at work <laughs> yesterday, which is uh, pretty standard for the morning after five aside now. And as my, as I rapidly head towards uh, my 40th year. So, um, yeah, my body feels like it's uh, twice that age after five aside now. So uh, that, that reminds me a little bit of, uh, of Eli Manning when he's sort of shuffling around on the, uh, on the field after he's... Uh, Taken yet another sack. Yeah. I, I think we all feel like that at uh, one point or another. <laughs> so, on the opposite side of the ball, where do you think the matchups are going to be? Because it does actually look like quite a favourable matchup, our offence against the New York Giants defence. Yeah. There's only, I think, two players I can really pick out from the Giants defence defence which I think are playmakers and that's Landon Collins and Olivia Vernon yeah yeah Landon Collins on Kittle that could be interesting because you've got like the sort of uh, savvy wise old veteran there haven't you up against the new sort of uh, up and coming protege at tight end I fancy Kittle's chances to be honest I, I, I'm almost at the stage now where I'll take Kittle's chances against pretty much any linebacker any safety in the league Give or take maybe two or three. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take my chances with Kittle. And yeah, absolutely uh, fantastic. And Janoris Jenkins was uh, obviously a big name quarterback, uh, cornerback that they've got. Um, he's not the pro bowler he once was. He's given up six touchdowns already this season. Yeah, and he's had a poor season. He has had a poor season. Yeah, opponent uh, quarterback ratings against him have been, haven't sorry have been great. So. Um, we might see Mullins try a deep one with Goodwin against him just to sort of uh, see if he's up for it early ball, early days in, in the game, possibly. And in terms of the Giants' defence, I think it's, it's a bit of a weird one because their defensive coordinator, he does like to blitz. And give it. I know it's a small sample size, but Mullins actually looks decent against the Oakland blitz. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know whether they're going to sort of rush three, four and drop everyone else back or whether they're going to sort of do some disguise blitzes to try and sort of uh, bait him into making mistakes. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think they'll, um, now that there's sort of game film out there on, on Mullins, they've got a young defensive line. I think that's probably the strength of their defence, although that's not really saying much. Um, no real pass rush. Um, yeah, it all sounds a little bit sort of familiar to our defence, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And they'll probably try and force Mullins to throw outside the numbers because he—I don't think he even attempted more than one or two passes out there on uh, Thursday today against the Raiders. I think a lot of his yardage was uh, yards after catch because his arm strength isn't as good, and I think Kyle knows that, and they game planned accordingly. 
So that's going to be, if Mullins does become the uh, full-time starter for the rest of the season, that's going to be a chess match that Carl's going to have to deal with um, for the rest of the season. It's not just going to be uh, for this game on, on Monday night. This is going to be something that he's going to have to adapt because I don't think he's got the same arm strength as uh, as CJ forcing the ball out on those, uh, you know, using the width of the field. I think it's all sort of down the middle. And it's going to be short, short, sharp, quick release throws rather than uh, forcing it outside the numbers. Yeah, yeah. A true West Coast offence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I've got down the matchups over the centre of the field look very good for Kittle, which you yeah. already said. And I'd be surprised if he ends the game with less than 75 yards, to be honest. And we yeah. could even see him getting over 100 again in, in this game. I think the matchups are that good for Kittle. Um, hopefully, Breda remains uh, healthy during the game and we see some sort of week two type of performance where he gashed the Lions for 138 yards. Mm. Um, against this defence, it's definitely possible. Other than that, I think it's definitely a game where we can put up a lot of points. Okay. I've just got no... I was going to say no confidence in the Giants' defence. I can't see them actually stopping us. Mm. Looking at the defences that we've already played against, OK, take the last one away. That was the Raiders and they were absolutely atrocious. And it's hard to take them away because we've got the same starting quarterback. Yeah. But, but prior to those games, even with Bethard we've been up against much, much better defences and put up a lot of points. I mean, we are averaging, I think, 25 points a game. Yeah. Um, and the Giants' defence are nowhere near as good as some of the defences we've played against. They, they are marginally better than the Raiders, but I wouldn't have said that much better. And in no. fact, when I looked at the Cardinals' defence, I was a lot more worried about the Cardinals' defence than what I was about the Giants. So... Yeah, I can see, I can definitely see us putting up quite a few points in this game. Yeah, it's definitely a chance for Mullins to shine. Um, like I say, Carl gets in it, well, a bit of a longer week to scheme up the game plan. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what he does Monday. Came out aggressive against Oakland. There was a lot of uh, pre-snap recognitions and the exploited mismatches. He took his chances when he had good win against linebackers. And I think you, you do that again against New York, obviously. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be more the same. I hope he doesn't start forcing things and trying to make plays out of nothing. Uh, just try and keep it steady. Take what they're giving us. Don't don't force things into tight windows. There was uh, I've watched the film back on the coaches' tape and stuff, and there was a one particularly poor throw in the um, red zone that he sort of forced it in there, and it, uh, I think a. NFL defense would have uh, made the pick and we wouldn't have scored on that <laughs> uh, drive. Um, and then I also watched back that George Kittle catch and we thought at the time that that was triple coverage, but that was actually four men. There were four men all coming in on him and I wouldn't want to, as great as that play was, I wouldn't want to make a habit of uh, of seeing that week after week because... Like I say, an an NFL team will make plays on those particular throws, and we were just lucky that he sort of um, had a nice matchup to um, open his NFL career. And yeah, as as great as it was, I don't want to see it over and over again with the uh, the dangerous throws into triple and quadruple coverage. So uh, yeah, if the O line can help him keep him on his feet, uh, we had no sacks against the Raiders. I don't think they'll have it quite as easy, even against an underperforming Giants team. But if he continues to read the field well, um, we saw, well, I think we've both seen and everyone else has seen that on a, th a few of those plays where he dropped back, he kind of looked one way and sort of moved the uh, defensive back with his eyes, didn't he? And he sort of forced him to bite on the first or second look and then he's gone yeah. to his second yeah. or third receiver, which is absolutely fantastic so if he can continue to do stuff like that then yeah it's uh i, I think we've uh, we've got a really good chance in this game and i hope he does have a good game because it really will be nice to see us have a little quarterback controversy for want of a better phrase because this that's what makes teams better and if if we've got two quarterbacks staking their claim for the number two role then 
that's that can only be a good thing for the 49ers. And if he has a bad game, then I can just see it being another week or so of a divided franchise of fans saying, oh, I should have left, left it. You know, CJ should have come back. And then you're going to have all the other people arguing the other toss of the coin and stuff. So, yeah, I just want to see him have a good week, um, go into the bye week. And then you start then going into games where we really get a chance to see how good he is because then you go up against a, the Buccaneers, who defensively are poor, but then you then you've got the Seattle Seahawks, so then you get a real chance of uh, of looking to see how how good he really is. And I think with Mullins, he looks like he can be a sort of steady Alex Smith type, possibly. And I think what we've sort of seen with CJ is the the highs at times are high, but the lows are, are quite low as well, aren't they? With a you, you sort of like look at that four turnover game and stuff. So he's yeah. kind of up and down, up and down. And if CJ can just sort of, uh, sorry, if, if Mullins can just be that nice sort of steady, you know, the ups are good, but and the downs aren't quite so down, then for me, he has to sort of remain the starter for the rest of the season. But you have to, I think we've got to just rein in some of the enthusiasm and stuff from beating the Raiders because the the real work for him starts in this next run of games now and it starts on, on Monday. So, yeah, hopefully he can keep up that sort of uh, consistent level of play, and he probably, you know, there is a good chance that he will he will be the number two next year, and there's possibly a chance that we can uh, flip him for a pick or something, or flip CJ for a pick in the off season or in a season or two's time. One so, of them, I think, will probably go. So an interesting stat about Bethard, and this was a stat that uh, Shanahan actually brought out in an interview. Was that over the first 10 games of their careers, both Bethard and Cousins have identical stats? I think Bethard has one or two interceptions less than what Cousins okay. did. So the, the point that Shanahan was trying to get across is he's still got every confidence within Bethard's ability to play the game. Yeah. He looks very similar to what Cousins did in the first 10 games that uh, Shanahan had him at Washington. So you shouldn't be uh, writing anybody off at this stage because no. look where Cousins is now. And the amount of play- people or fans that would have wanted Cousins if we hadn't gotten Garoppolo is, is unbelievable. You're talking a high percentage, probably 80 90% of 49ers fans would have been saying, yeah, go get Cousins. Oh, yeah, Cousins was billed as, uh, as the next big thing. Um, if you go back a year or even 18 months Months ago, he was pretty much going to be the. Uh, well, we all thought he was going to be the next 49ers quarterback when yeah, uh, Kyle definitely. came in here, didn't we? You know, and yeah, there was a lot of talk of him coming here and possibly being on one of the biggest contracts in the in the NFL at the 49ers. So yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a good comparison, and it's something that we're in a, a nice position to to have two quarterbacks who can come in and do a job. Because how many times do you see a backup quarterback come in and he just craps the bed for want of a better phrase, doesn't it? And the drop off is substantial in a number of franchises. And it just goes to show that we're doing a good job. We're identifying players out there within the draft system and the undrafted period of identifying the type of player that can come in and can do a job for us. Yeah. And whilst we might have whiffed on, on one or two of the picks in like a Joe Williams and let's say the jury's still out on Solomon Thomas, it goes to show that, when you've got someone playing the way that George Kittle's playing and, and the way that Bethard at times and Mullins has come in and done so far, it just goes to show that the, the evaluation process that is being done, I think is good. And and that's a, a positive for us as we, uh, you know, once the season's done and we look at free agency in the draft next season. So have you got any more on offence for the 49ers? No, I think that's about it. I can't uh, off the top of my head. I can't really think of anything else. Right, so I've got a couple couple of stats. Um, one is directly related to two people that will be playing Tuesday, and the other one is a past player. So the first one is Odell Beckham Jr. He's only he's actually got less than one hundred yards more than Kittle, and he's had twenty more receptions. So it just shows you how good Kittle's doing this season yeah. when. An elite wide receiver isn't that far ahead of him, and he's had to have twenty more receptions to actually get those yards ahead of him. Mm. So that that was an interesting stat, and the next one absolutely blew my mind. So, and, and this is one that I've just found out this morning. Frank Gore 
currently has his highest PFF rating since entering the league. Really? 79.9. The previous wow. best was the 2012 Super Bowl season, 78.2. And he's currently ranked 7th among running backs. So obviously the PFF rating takes into consideration how well the pass block, how well the run block if it's a two-back set, yeah. um, the running of the ball, how many yards they average in. Um, also what the receiving stats are like uh, as well as touchdowns as well so it, it takes all of those into consideration when it comes up with the PFF start it's not just looking at the, the thing that running backs are meant to do which is run the ball but yeah at the moment he's actually ranked 7th among running backs with his highest average ever on PFF and that just completely blew me away and I, I really hope he comes back and, and has one of those one-day contracts and retires a 49er before he uh, gets his first ballot Hall of Fame nomination. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because he's going in. He is, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, he's been yeah, just one of the best running backs I've had the, uh, the fortune to, to see, both live in person and uh, through his career. Um, followed it sort of... Uh, Quite intently as he's gone on to play for the Colts as well, and now for the uh, for the Dolphins, it's uh, it's brilliant to see him still going out there. And you 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 watch Red Zone on a Sunday, and and Dolphins have got the ball, and, and the Colts have got the ball in their own twenty, and it's sort of uh, third and five or something, and they give the ball to Gore, and you think, and a lot of people probably think, oh well, they, they, you know, they're just uh, going to get a couple of extra little yards here for the punter, so he's got a bit of extra space, and the next thing. Gore pops out of the hole and it doesn't even look like there's a hole there and he's got six, seven yards and he's got yeah. that famous sort of high arm swing and, and the high knees and he comes over and, and he's got a first down and he's, uh, yeah, he still looks like the player he was 10 years ago. It's, uh, yeah, I'd be um, absolutely made up for him when he gets into the into the Hall of Fame and he's he's still uh, ploughing away hard out there now, isn't he? He's still got more records he can catch. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, I don't know how he's still going. <laughs> no, I don't either. Especially... The amount of um, beating that he's taken, especially on those early days with 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 our team, because it was shocking yeah. at times, wasn't it? With the, some of that O line that we had and Alex Smith's first year and stuff. I mean, the team was just in a. We were probably close to where the the Raiders are now, weren't we? In terms of ability on the roster, yeah. Seemingly Gore was still going out and putting up ninety, hundred, hundred ten yards plus on a on a on a regular basis in that in that time. Yeah, and and on the back of such a horrendous knee injury as well. So that's what I was going to mention: the knee injury in college. Yeah, yeah. So the over under this week is set at forty four. The forty nine is the three points favourites. I have no idea who went first last week. So I'm going to be a gentleman and let you go first. Okay. So. In line with what I said earlier, I think there is a, a danger that this could be the game after the Lord Mayor's show sort of uh, type out in for us. Yeah. Um, I hope it's not. And it's the kind of game that the little sort of uh, devil on your shoulder says, well, Mullins could struggle in this. He could throw a couple of picks. The, the defence don't, don't get any pressure. We're going to lose this game. But I think I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say that we're going to win. And you say the over-under was 44. It is, yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to say 27-17, which puts <laughs> it right on the over-under, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Yes, it so, does. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say a 10-point win, 27-17. So that's going to be a push on the over-under unless it moves uh, before Sunday. So, yeah, 27-17, I'm going to say. I think it's... Uh, won't be pretty. I don't think we're going to put up as many points as we did against the Raiders. And I think uh, the Giants will score points on us. I think Barkley's probably good for at least a, a touchdown or two against us. So, yeah, 27-17, I think I'll say. Right. So, I'm, I'm not too far away from that. But I've kind of pushed the extremities either side. So, I'm going over. And I'm going for a 31-15 49ers win. I think it's a huge advantage just playing at Levi's and, and definitely on a Monday night. Um, we're currently 9-1 and one on Monday night football. That one defeat coming against the Green Bay Packers, which was literally a last, last second thing, and we actually threw that game away. Mm. Um, I think we'll continue our previous form and come away with the win. 
And yeah, I actually fancy us for a 31-15 win. Excellent. And that is only just over the over-under. Yeah. Right, tips. So I've only got the one tip this week. And that tip is to go car-free if you go to San Francisco. Um, as well as being good for the environment, it's also good for your pocket. Um, most tourist attractions within San Francisco are a manageable distance away. You can get a three-day hopper pass on, I think you call it, the big tour bus. Um, there's also the hop-on, hop-off buses. A three-day pass for that cost me $35, I believe it was, or maybe $40. Um, and it takes you to all the major tourist sites around San Francisco, including uh, over the water to Sausalito as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's going to help you save your legs, definitely. Because even even though they're all within manageable distance, San Francisco is quite hilly. Um, so it can be quite a bit of a strain on your legs. So, yeah, the, the, the two buses are quite a good way to get around. Plus, you get an elevated view of the city, and it's surprising how different it looks when you're on the you're on the top deck of that uh, open open top bus. Yeah. Um, one of the other things you can do as well, once you get that three day hopper, they also do a nighttime tour, and it is interesting to do the nighttime tour because the city does actually look completely different mm. in the night when it's all lit up. Um, so that's well worth doing as well. But if you do do that and you sat on the top deck. And you're there in either autumn or winter. Make sure you're <laughs> warm. Yep. Because it is absolutely Baltic on that top deck. But you get a good view. So I, I can definitely recommend doing the, the hop on, hop off bus tours. Yeah, I did a uh, open top one the first time I went out there and it was uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, like I say, it's a completely different experience. Um, sat upstairs on on the outside, you get to see, uh, get to see a lot more of it. Um, and invariably you've got um the tour guides on there as well haven't you so uh, you learn a little bit um about everything as you go around the city as well um well they certainly did on the one i went on anyway so the tour um, guide on the one i went on he, he was the one that told us it's legal to be naked in san francisco okay. as, lo- as long as you think you're wearing clothes <laughs> really yeah okay. so i've actually checked that as well <laughs> The, there is a little known law that says it's legal to be naked as long as you think you're wearing clothes. Wow. Okay. Well, I wouldn't expose anyone to me doing that. So uh, <laughs> no, me neither. But yeah, it's just and a lot of these uh, tour buses are really good because you just get to find out all the sort of um, little things that you wouldn't normally find, or invariably you just walk past and you'd never know that stuff was there. I think. I can't remember the name of the guy off the top of my head now, but one of the, um, I, I don't suppose it's really a, a tourist attraction as such. I, and it's, you've got to be a little bit careful uh, how you sort of go about it because of uh, the way that it is in America at the minute. But there's one of the things that was pointed out to me on the tour bus that I went on was that um, the tour guide said to me, oh, if you, we're just going past a building now where the uh, the mayor of San Francisco was shot in 1980 something and if you actually go up to the building you can still see the uh whether where some of the bullets hit to this day and i thought right okay <laughs> wow i did not know that so yeah it's just little things like that that you if you pick up that you you probably you might walk past that building 10 12 times while you're down in the city and you'd never know but yeah when you actually walk past and you look up you can oh yeah there's uh gunshots there and uh yeah, they're still there now from uh, when the, the mayor of San Francisco was shot. And I should have done my research, really, but I didn't realise we were going to be talking about that. So there you go. So, uh, yeah, something for uh, people to look out for next time they go. Um, and in terms of mine, uh, mine's going to be, surprise, surprise, bar-related. Um, if you do go in the <laughs> summer and you do fancy some baseball, then there are two fantastic bars down literally opposite AT&T Park, um, Momo's Bar and Pete's Tavern. Um standard american bars loads of um beer on tap um but loads of baseball memorabilia all around there um well worth popping into both if you get a chance to go and see them um and then if you do actually go into at&t park and you do watch a baseball game they didn't have any the last time i was there but the first two times that i went in there or the first, on two different occasions when i've been in there they do um lucky dip bags and they also do this at um, Tampa Bay when I've been to see the Tampa Bay Rays, where you 
buy a, a essentially a, a bag. You don't know what's in it, but they're normally about twenty dollars. And in there, you normally get a bobblehead of a current player or maybe a past player. Um, but it's not just sort of um, any old player. It's normally uh, well, normally they make bobbleheads for a reason. Normally, it's uh, they're good players, aren't they? That yeah. the bobbleheads are made for. So. Yeah, you can you can normally pick yourself up a bobblehead um, or signed baseballs as well. There's a lot of signed baseballs that you can buy, um, and then you get like the sort of mysterious grab bags um, with signed baseballs in as well. And let's like, say you get these lucky dip bags, and you'll get like a bobblehead, and you might get say a I know a baseball cap from one of the giveaways, or some um, sweatbands, or yeah, there's various different things that you can get, and it's uh, they're well worth buying. Um, I always buy one when I go because. Like I say, it's lucky dip. You never know what you're going to get. So uh, I've been quite fortunate in the ones that I've got. I've got uh, a couple of good uh, autographed baseballs. I've got a couple of good bobbleheads and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of these things that it, that it it's, it's something that you don't tend to find at, at UK sporting things because, obviously, we don't get many giveaways and stuff, do you, unless you're a bit of a the, – the only things that we sort of get given away at, at sort of soccer over here, like them stupid happy clapper things and stuff that nobody really wants anyway, do you? But yeah, over in America, yeah, straight in the bin. But over over there, you, you know, you get scarves, gloves, caps, hats, bobbleheads, bobble bobble hats, any you, you name it, that they give it away, don't they? T-shirts. So yeah, these lucky um, lucky dip bags are really really good. And um, like I say, if you're going to baseball, go into Momo's and have a beer. Go into Pete's Tavern and have a beer, and then go across into AT&T Park. Enjoy watching the San and Francisco Giants win. <laughs> yeah, drink more yeah. beer and uh, grab yourself a lucky dip bag because uh, yeah, they're they're definitely worth it. Fantastic. Thanks for the tips. Right, guys. Um, so we are rapidly approaching week 12, which is the Tampa Bay game. And we have a meetup in Manchester on the 25th of November. I'll be in Manchester from about 1.30 onwards. I believe the tickets get you in for 5 o'clock into the Brotherhood at Manchester. And the game starts at 6. We've had confirmation from... Uh, Gridiron and Gravy, who who are organising this on our behalf, that Game Pass works fine, the quality was fine, they've done some testing over the last two or three weeks um, and so actually sorted out some issues um, while doing the testing. So it looks as though the Game Pass and the game will be shown no problem. Um, so that's that's a huge bonus. Um, so if, if you want to come along, we'll be posting the tickets up sometime today or tomorrow. Um, I think it costs seven pound. You get a free, a free drink when you go in, and then the rest of your drinks are discounted uh, for the rest of the night. Uh, but that's only certain drinks, and I'm trying to find out what those drinks are. So that's the 25th of November. We're also only 11 subscribers short on YouTube. Um, 11 subscribers short of 100, that is. So we we want to try and get that pushed through and get 100 subscribers as soon as possible so that we can actually change the URL that people use to get through to the YouTube channel. It means that we'll be able to customise that and use 49er Faithful UK instead of just the random text and numbers that is there. Um, and also, once that's done, I'll be able to get some business cards printed up so that we can give out on um, on events like the Meetup and... Uh, primarily for the stuff like the international series games down in london if you see 49ers fan they don't know about the group you can hand out these cards and they'll have all the details on so those are the type of things that we've got in the pipeline at the moment i ordered a new flag a fortnight ago and it turned up on monday um, disappointingly they're getting the colors wrapped the wrong way so i had them straight on the phone and they're going to rectify that so I'm currently waiting for the new flag to arrive. I also bought a, a customised hoodie. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with it. The the sizing, it, it's a snug fit for a large. Um, the badges could have done with being a bit further apart, and I know that's a design on my part. Um, but other than that, it, it looked okay. Uh, comes out at 38 99 the material was nice and thick. It was a good colour. The badges aren't the type that are iron-on badges. The more printed on. Well, it is printed on. So it's not the type of thing that would bubble and split and, and peel off. 
Um, I think it's the same type of thing that they use for um, screw levers nowadays. So rather than being something that you iron on, it's actually printed on there, um, which does dull down the colours a little bit, and it's not helped by the fact that I picked a grey hoodie as well. But once I get a photo in a decent light, I'll stick them in the group, and then you can make up your mind if anybody wants one. Um, it's not something where we have a shop, so I would have to take the order and have it actually sent out to you, or I could pass across all the details, and uh, you, you can do that yourself. So I'll post those up in the group uh, as soon as I can, really. Right, guys, thanks very much for listening again. Um, I look forward to doing the review show on Tuesday night, probably, um, and hopefully we're talking about uh, another win. Have a great weekend, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Cheers. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff arm going 99. Don't get it twisted. Won it all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick. We're all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.